0: Welcome to episode four of Spine and Body Podcast. So after our release of three episodes last week, there was a few comments that I wanted to make. And one of them was, thank you for your download and thank you for listening. The splash that we made was unexpected. The comments from physicians and residents and fellows in the medical field was, again, unexpected. It was was wonderful. Uh, to have as many patients reach out and uh, tell me how much they enjoyed it uh, was a godsend this podcast was designed for both groups and to have both groups reach out enthusiastically was was wonderful i had a conversation about knee stability with a high level um, orthopedic surgeon that i that i greatly respect and to have that level of a conversation Uh, I think both of us came out of it with more knowledge than we went in. And that is exactly the kind of interaction that I'm looking for. I think that this podcast is supposed to grow and change according to what people find interesting. And I'm looking forward to the conversations from as many professionals as I can, because it does shape where we go from here. The other part of this commentary before the podcast is that as I prepared for facet joint pain or facet joint podcast, I had some ideas of some things that I wanted to change. So I went back and listened to this podcast that we created a year ago. And as I, as I listened to it, I realized there was no way I could change this podcast. It was, it was done with Demetrius Jones, who is a uh, medical assistant in our office and, and who basically runs our office. And as I listened to it, all I could do was smile because it was very fun. And she is very fun, and you can tell that she loves to laugh. If I could explain or describe Demetrius uh, to the audience, I would tell you that she loves her family, she loves her husband, and she loves Jesus. And you can almost hear all of that in her voice. She is a delightful person. She is a joy to work with, and uh, she was a joy to make a podcast episode with, and I could not deprive you. Uh, listening audience uh, from that, from that joy. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, There is a few things that I do want to say about facet joint pain, or at least for stability of the back. And all of that will come out in time. Um, Let's not, let's not worry about the particulars. Let's listen, just enjoy this episode. Welcome to Spine & Body Podcast. This podcast's stated goals are to change how the world treats musculoskeletal pain, to create experts in the treatment of neck, back, and shoulder pain, and to advance the world's understanding of this pain, to inspire researchers, thinkers, and innovators, to empower patients and embolden caretakers. Follow us on this journey and let's learn and grow together. This podcast is brought to you. By the Body Guitar Clinic because your body is a finely tuned instrument. Like all finely tuned instruments, it must be properly cared for in order to play the beautiful music it was intended to play. Care for your body and use it correctly, and it will play music that is unique to you, your life song. This is Sean Wheeler, MD, and let's get your body in tune. okay welcome to episode four of spine and body podcast we're here today with uh, Demetrius Jones Hi. welcome Hello. welcome Demetrius she's Thank a you. she's a, uh, um, a medical assistant here in our clinic uh, runs the place tells me what yep. to do yep <laughs> all the time all the time you don't listen. <laughs> So today we're talking about facets. Over the next several episodes, what we're going to do is we're going to try to explain what we do, so that when I start interviewing people, we can say, "This is what we do." You can go back to episode, you know, four, and we can talk about it. But we, Demetrius, will tell you we we struggle with what the insurance companies pay for and what they don't pay for, and yes, yes. all the time, all, all the, the time, time. always yeah. calling them saying. This is, you know, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And they say, this is what everybody else does. You should do what everybody else does. Yeah. So I'm going to have this discussion today. And what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to say, basically, when a person goes to change the world, when they try to change, the, change things, they, they try to do less of talking down about what other people do mm-hmm. and more presenting of this is our great idea. This is what we do. And this is why it works. Okay. Well, the problem is, is that if I talk to pain doctors about what I do mm-hmm. and people who are in the pain world, they understand. Yeah. But for the people who've got facet pain, I have to talk about also way, the way it is now uh-huh. so that they can understand that something's different. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so facet joints on our, on our artwork for this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to put a picture of a facet joint so that people will understand. And what I recommend is you go into uh, bodyguitar.com and looking for podcasts and then looking for the one that says, uh, facet, facet joint podcast, which is what it'll be listed as, or episode four. So, um, uh, so initially what I'm going to do is talk about the actual anatomy of the facet joint and you just jump in and tell me if I'm, if I'm saying things wrong or not, okay. you know, so, so the facet joint has the, the vertebrae, you know, you've got numerous vertebrae in your spine. You've got seven in the neck that are called cervical vertebrae. You've got 12 in the thoracic spine, which is where your chest is and, and where you breathe and your ribs are. And then you've got five or six in the lumbar spine. And I will tell you that a very small percentage of people have six, most people have five. And then under that in your in your uh, pelvis, there's a sacrum. And that sacrum is more than 10 that are fused together and they create the sacrum. So that one, doesn't, that one doesn't really count for facet joints because it's fused together. It doesn't have to have any joints. The ones above it, they're, they're, the vertebrae is made up of a, cylind- a bony cylinder that is uh, called the body of the vertebrae. And that's more towards your belly button than it is towards your back. And then behind that is, a, is what's called a bony neural arch where the spinal cord runs through and the nerves come out the side. On the uh, vertebrae itself, you know, we have this neural arch that comes back and it creates the canal that the spinal cord runs through. And then coming off of this neural arch, going up is a superior articular process, and and the the vertebrae above it has a has a um, bony uh, part coming down called an inferior articular process. And the superior articular process and the inferior articular process from the one above create a joint called a facet joint or a zygapophysial joint. Uh, and you you should think about this a lot like a bicycle chain in the fact that the the one, the, on a bicycle chain, what happens is that the, the link itself, the link creates the inside of the uh, attachment below and the outside of the attachment above. Well, it's the same way with these facet joints. The, the vertebrae, the superior articular process, creates the outside of the joint, and the inferior articular process coming down from the one above creates the inside of the joint. So it does this over and over again, where we've got one bone... Below it creates the inside of the joint. Above it creates the outside of the joint, and, and it, it looks a lot like a bicycle chain. And these joints are made up an awful lot like um, any other joint. It's particularly, you can think about the um, you know the elbow or the or the fingers, and it's a um, it's got a true true cartilage, true capsule, and it creates this true joint. So these facet joints are very specific, and and what happens is is that people will injure these by certain motions, right? So one of the things that the facet joints are supposed to do is keep you from moving too much. So if you sit up straight and you say, okay, I'm not going to move my shoulders, too, I'm not going to move my shoulders at all. I'm not going to move my pelvis at all. I'm just going to move my low back. Well, good luck. The muscles in your low back don't move you. But let's say you actively want to move your shoulders and you, and you want to move your pelvis and you're trying to move this low back, Well, what you'll find is, is that a lot of the motion occurs through the neck and the thoracic spine, but there's not that motion, not, not much motion through the low back. And some of this is the bony bony parts of the facet trying to keep you from moving. So if you try to twist too far with the low back, you'll notice that a lot of things twist, but maybe not the low back. If you try to go backwards, the low back doesn't move much at all. And really what's happening is, is it's these, these facet joints keeping you from moving too far. Well, what if we move beyond that? We irritate or damage this joint. And this is when we really start getting into trouble. So then what happens is that people come in with this pain in the joint. And and this is a lot of what we see, at least initially, is people have these facet joints. Yeah. So um, when they come in with facet joint pain, there's a very specific pattern with pain that we see. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's it's kind of one of those deals where people come in and, and they've got this this joint pain and they say, I've got back pain. And we go, okay, well... When your facets hurt, what we expect is is the body's going to pull that joint apart. So imagine your elbows hurting and you go to straighten your arm and you get to the point of the end point of straightening your arm and your bicep muscle goes into spasm. Well, your bicep is trying to keep the joint from hurting, Mm -hmm. right? So if on the other hand, it's your back, the muscles in your back are going to try to pull that joint apart. So first thing in the morning or after a person's been sitting for a while, they go to stand up and those muscles aren't quite ready to pull them apart. So, so what happens is, is that it takes them a little bit, right? They get, up, they get up like an old person, they put their hands on their thighs and they push themselves up and they stand kind of not straight for a minute and then they get to the point where they're straight. Well, um, the muscles slowly start pulling this apart and then they feel better, mm-hmm. but they can't do that all day. Right? right, so these are the people we see leaning over shopping carts, leaning over mm-hmm. counters. When they sit, they bend forward, or they, or they lean all the way back and kind of roll that pelvis under them, slouch really bad, mm-hmm. lean on one side or the other. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep these facets apart. We've seen that. Yeah. I mean, we see that all the time with our patients, mm-hmm. right? And then we, t- we point it out to them, and they go, "Well, not, no, I don't, I don't really do that." As they're, <laughs> as they're, yep. as they're leaning forward. <laughs> Leaning over on one side and they're like, No, that's not me. And we're like, Yeah, it's only it's, right. A normal person doesn't think about their pain. Right. They just deal with it. They just deal with it. Right. So a normal, well adjusted person, I start telling them this stuff and they go, that, well, That's not me. And then they come back about a week later and go, All right, I do all I do all those things. I love it. That's yeah. right. And, th- and that's kind of what we see. So, so what happens is, is that the joint is irritated. And what we try to do is try to work on that joint. Now, the problem of course, is that it's not just the joint is irritated, right? If your elbow is irritated, you just put it in a cast and you stop using it. And, and a couple weeks later, it's fine. And then you go back to normal activities. Mm -hmm. Problem is, is with the back, you quit using it and it causes just this cascade of muscle weakness and tightness, right? And people oftentimes talk about the fact that that they got back pain and something changed. Okay, so I'm going to quickly go through this, yeah. right? So so really what happens is, is that a person it, it, in the back, and I'll put this also in the, in the picture, but in the back, right along the spinal canal, there's a muscle called the multifidus, right? So if you think about, if you f- push around on your back and you feel all these lumps straight down the middle, that's called your spinous process. Directly to either side of that is a muscle called the multifidus. And this muscle, um, puts us in the normal curve of our back right it mm-hmm. it creates what we call spine neutral and it's the main muscle for spine neutral mm-hmm. and then what happens is, is that when you bend forward that muscle shuts down okay so when a person has facet pain and they're being bent forward all the time that muscle that provides the primary muscle for spine neutral is shut down okay so there are certain muscles in your body that are called proprioceptive muscles, okay? They tell you where you are in space. So proprioception, and, and you know this, Demetrius, but proprioception is when all the lights are off and you're walking around your house and, and you're feeling around, and you're like, oh, hey, there's a the couch. Mm-hmm. Now I know where the table is. Now I know where that plant is. Now I know where my door is, mm-hmm. right? So because you found that couch, you know where everything is. Well, in the body, sometimes we need to know where things are. I mean, like, where's your, you know, where's your, where's your pelvis right now? Where's your arm? You know I mean? We know where things are based on which muscles are being stretched and which muscles aren't. A pitcher will go to throw and they don't have to look at their arm and figure out where it is. They got certain muscles that are stretched and certain muscles that aren't and their brain takes all that information. And as you bring the arm forward, that changes and the brain can tell exactly where your arm is without looking. And then you release the ball at the the right time. Or in your case, you know, probably not, but, but most-
1: (laughs) Most that's people I
0: admit it so so but when you're swinging and trying to hit me yeah for making comments like that <laughs> yep. then then you know exactly where your arm is. Yep. that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So so anyway, so the multifidus is that type of muscle. it as you move it it stretches and unstretches and it can kind of tell you where you are. Mm-hmm. Well, you lose that muscle and we start having problems as far as, you know, where's, where is my back? Where is my pelvis? And we start compensating and start tightening other muscles, trying to, trying to stabilize ourselves as we don't know. We don't know where it is, right? Mm -hmm. So like when you sprain an ankle, you're watching your foot as you step off curves and you're doing everything you can not to twist it again. Well, it's the same thing with the back. All these muscles start tightening around it. You don't know where your back is. Okay, so then the next thing is, is that your pelvis is supposed to be level. So there's a muscle in front called the transverse abdominus, and there's a muscle in back, which is a, actually a group of muscles called the spinal rectum muscles, and they both pull on the pelvis like it's two ropes on a window washer's platform. Mm-hmm. They keep this pelvis level. But when you're bending forward all the time, the muscle in the front gets weak. Yeah. And then what happens is, is that now you've got this constant pull in the back, and then a lot of people, their hamstring has to start pulling to keep to keep everything level. So here's two two of the three major muscles that we use to stabilize ourselves get weak because we have facet pain. Yep. Okay. So normally what we do is we say we need to not only get you better but we also need to get all these muscles working right we need to get proprioception back we need to we need to do what we do so so what does insurance tell us we're supposed to do one thing at a time one thing at a time while we do one <laughs> that's, right, that's right one thing at a time because guess who does the um what, what's it that you do the uh what oh prior you know house? oh that's right what? who does prior the who, that's right guess who does the prior offs yep yep so you're calling these insurance companies all the time yeah and basically saying listen, we want to put steroids into these facet joints. Mm -hmm. And they say, you can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. Because what they say is that, and now realize, there is only one musculoskeletal specialty in medicine that says that if you put steroids into a joint, it's not diagnostic, right? Right. What they say is they say, if you put anything besides lidocaine in there, it's not diagnostic. Matter of fact, what they also say is they say, you can damage the joint by putting lidocaine and steroid into the joint, mm-hmm. which is true, right? So here's mm-hmm. one place where they've got it right. The thing is, is that every other musculoskeletal specialty says, first of all, we can make a diagnosis because when we put lidocaine in, it's numb for four hours. Mm-hmm. And then the steroid takes a couple of days to feel better. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is, yes, it's true. Lidocaine and, or excuse me, steroid can, can hurt the cartilage and the joint, yeah. but so can not doing anything. Right. Inflammation can cause damage to the joint. Sure. So if if you if you take if you say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna continue for years with inflammation, mm-hmm. that breaks down the joint significantly. Yep. If on the other hand you say I'm gonna put steroid in there, it breaks it down a little bit, mm-hmm. and then it builds itself back up, and then we're good again. Yep. But what has to be done is you say I'm doing this steroid injection into the shoulder or to the hip or whatever it is, so that I can strengthen around it, get stability through it, improve mobility through it, do all these other things. But what has pain management done? What pain management has done is said, we're going to numb it up. We're going to diagnose it. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to burn the nerves that go to the joint. And then we're not going to do any therapy afterwards. We're going to tell people just get back into the normal activity. Well, that's, that's, so there's two, there's two jumps away from normal musculoskeletal treatment. The first jump is we're not using any steroids at all. Mm -hmm. Nobody else does that. Second thing is, is, they say, we're going to burn the nerves that go to the joint. Yeah. Nobody else does that. Yeah. Right. And it's one of those deals where what they said was they said, okay, well, when we put steroids in there, facet and joint injections are better for six months mm-hmm. or excuse me, they're better for two to three months. Mm-hmm. Right. And then if we burn the nerves, it lasts for six months to two years. Okay. The problem with that is, is that I only need two to three months to get, if I got proper physical therapy, I only need two to three months to get that right. So if I, if I do the steroid injection and I can get two to three months of pain relief, well then, then I can get through two to three months of appropriate therapy and the person can get better yeah. and I don't need to do anything else. Okay. If I can't, like if we do the injection, I mean, when we see this, we do the injection mm-hmm. and a person will say, I was better for about a week, yeah. which is how long the steroids in your system. Mm-hmm. Well, that ain't it, Right. There's, a, there's more of a problem there. The joint yeah. isn't irritated. The joint is damaged. Right. Right. So in those cases, you know, we'll repeat it to make sure that, that it just wasn't uninflamed enough. I mean, maybe we just needed to give a little bit more steroid and it was better. Mm-hmm. Right. But if that doesn't work, we do burn the nerves. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's when, we go, that's when we go forward and we burn the nerve and we tell the people, we say, okay, we don't know how long this is going to last. But the mm-hmm. clock has started. Yeah. You got six months to two years before this. Before this uh, starts hurting again, and you gotta get all this right, or else we gotta burn these nerves again. Yeah. And sometimes we won't. I mean, you know, we haven't had very many cases, but you know how I feel about it. If they're not doing their exercises, I'm mm. not all that excited. Yeah. Right. What's uh, the point? What's the point? I'm not. I'm not excited about continuing to do shots or right. or more radiofrequency ablation. But you know, I mean, I've I've kind of come to a realization recently where I will say, you know, somebody's over the age of sixty-five. There's a good likelihood we're going to have to do radiofrequency ablation because too much arthritis, too much else going on, yeah. you know. So, I mean, I've been I've been trying to follow the rules that the insurance asks a little bit more with older people, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you know how it is, we've seen so many people that are over the age of 65 and we give them a steroid shot and they do physical yeah. therapy and we don't see them again for yeah. years. Yeah. Right? So it just depends on the situation. It does depend on. The, I mean, I think it I think it depends on the person. Yeah. Right, because you'll see arthritis. I mean, we'll see people with arthritis in their knees, and mm-hmm. one knee's hurting, and the other one's not. And we'll do X-ray of both, and they'll have they'll have significant art or they'll have pain on one side and not on the other. But they got arthritis of both of them. Mm-hmm. So we can't tell until we've treated the the facet joint right. whether that arthritis in there is even is even worth it, or it, it is going to need radiofrequency or not. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then a couple more things. One is is that you remember I mentioned multifidus? It provides spine neutral. Mm-hmm. When you do radiofrequency ablation, it's not just the joint that's numbed up. Mm-hmm. It shuts down the multifidus. And there's been studies showing that it shuts down activity of the multifidus for three years. Right. So a person gets radiofrequency ablation. It's not just I'm numb for six months to two years. Yeah. One of the main muscles that stabilizes my, sm- my spine has is now not going to work for the next three years. So I've done more. I've created more problems by actually doing radiofrequency ablation rather than less. So really, if you look at it, you say, okay, what's appropriate? Mm -hmm. Appropriate is steroid injection into that joint. Because if I can get strengthening in two to three months and not shut down the multifidus, Mm -hmm. great. People say, oh, but six months, two years is better. Six months, two years better, except your therapy is not going to go as well. It's, and you're never going to reach the point that we want. And what we then hope is, is that six months to two years from now, when the multifidus starts firing again, now hopefully your insurance will give you approval to do therapy again because we got to get that multifidus back. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a pro. I mean, that is that is definitely a problem. So that's kind of why we we do the things we do, right? Um, the physical therapy ends up being the most important part. I think I've said that in, in a previous episode. It really is kind of one of those things that we have to talk people into. They'll come back and they'll say, Well, they sent me to physical therapy before we did the facet joint injections and it was terrible. And I go, Of course. Right. Why? Because they still had inflammation right. in that and, area and you can't do exercises if you're in pain. That's exactly it's it. That is exactly it. It is you can't when you try to do therapy when you hurt, it hurts more. Mm-hmm. It irritates the very places that we're trying to get. Not to mention your body's not gonna let those muscles fire right. when they're trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, that is that is what we mm-hmm. see over and over and over again. And we'll they'll come back and we'll go, yeah, well. Once we treat you, you've got to do therapy. And they're like, I don't like therapy. And we're like, well, we don't really want to do the shots. The whole point of the shots is to do therapy. Right? So we go back and forth with this. And insurance companies will say, we don't want you, we don't even want to pay for the shots until you've tried therapy. And we go, that's 100% backwards from what we think. 100% One hundred percent backwards from what we think. So we've got insurance companies saying, and here I am going negative again, right? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I instead right. of just showing a good way, <laughs> I gotta go in and say this is all the negatives. But yeah. but we say we say we want to do therapy afterwards, mm-hmm. right? We say we don't want to do radiofrequency ablation unless we absolutely have to. And how many people would you say that we do? We start off with facet injections and we lead to radiofrequency ablation. Like how many out of twenty? Like five. Oh, really? Because I was going to say like two, like one in 10. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot. It's not a, it's lot. Not a lot. It's really mm-hmm. not. It's most people end up with, um, you know, with relief yep. and then therapy. Right. Yep. All right. Now I will tell you, so this next episode, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about SI. And the reason why it leads from facet pain into SI is because what we see is we see people with SI pain, SI pain usually, not always, usually start off with facet pain, and then they get weak enough and they walk different enough that 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 they develop SI pain. So we're going to talk about that. And then the other thing is that we're going to talk about is, is that when people get SI pain, and we treat them, it's even it's even more therapy because we got to get them walking right. We got to get their we got now got to get their glute muscles, which is which is deep butt muscles, uh, right. And then when we do radio frequency ablation on those SI joints, which we do, and insurance says they don't like it. Don't like it. Insurance does not like it. They say, Well, it hasn't been proven. Yeah. And there's a reason why they say it hadn't been proven. And that's what we're gonna talk about next time. And I think it'll make a I think it'll make a really good discussion. Good, good. All right. This is this is Demetrius Jones's first podcast yes, ever. Yes, it is. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Thank
1: you. <laughs> I'm gonna see how many times I can
0: get you in here. Yeah, it's kind of fun. That's right. (laughs) All right. So uh, this has been great. And uh, remember, if you have any questions or uh, suggestions for the podcast or any comments, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at at Dr. Sean Wheeler, which is D-R for doctor and then Sean, S-E-A-N, Wheeler. So at Dr. Sean Wheeler. And uh, keep those comments and and questions uh, coming because it does help us shape future uh, podcasts. I, I, I can't keep my thumb on the pulse of the audience or all the people that are listening if I don't have comments back. And really what I want is I want enough people that are letting me know what they like or didn't like so that I can shape this and form this into something that is extremely informative rather than just what I, what I think is informative. Thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate your download and taking the time to listen. Please go to whatever source you normally get your podcast from and subscribe. Also, visit bodyguitar.com for show notes and to learn about our clinic. Living longer is not near as important as living better. These episodes are meant to advance the goal of living better. One of the best and hardest ways to achieve this goal Is to pray for your enemies and forgive those that hurt you. Life is about relationships. Build them. Until next time, body guitar practitioners, performers, and tuners, get your body in tune. This is Dr. Sean Wheeler on Spine and Body Podcast, and I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare studies, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have and they should seek the assistance of their health providers for any such condition.